Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. You are not seeing things. That is the big banana, Anna McAfee, uh, on the other side of that screen there. We are so, so excited. Anna is a co-author of How a Hashtag Changed the World. She's also um, been a, she's established big time on LinkedIn. She's got a, a lot of other irons in the fire. She's got two amazing kiddos. And somehow between all the stuff that she has going on, she squeezed in some time for us. So excited to have you. Thank you so much, Brad. It's great to be here. Yes. Well, we're just going to get right after this thing and start crushing it. Um, I am super excited to have someone as, as warm and uh, giving and uh, you're, you kind of, you're a community person. You're yeah, com- all about that. Yeah, community is really um, what I, well, I think probably throughout my whole life I've been about community and in the last three years that's um, very much become much more professionally. Um, my background um, was in, in recruitment, but um, so that's why I've kind of always been really big on LinkedIn. But um, three years ago, I started the LinkedIn local movement on LinkedIn and that just went crazy in two years to about 96 countries. So, um, and that really inspired me to, um, to, to continue this path along what community is um, and, and how we can develop our own sense of community and sense of belonging. Yeah. Amazing. It really has, everything's kind of exploded for you. And it's really cool to see really neat things happen to really neat people. Uh, Thank you. I, I think I did, you're, you're from Coffs Harbor. Uh, which Hence is the known, big banana reference. That's right. <laughs> which is our most famous landmark. Um, <laughs> oh, was that right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the intro. Uh, that is the, the big banana. I guess Australia is full of big this and big that. You're the big banana. How, yeah, how did we that are the big banana. Big banana, yes. We're, we were a town built on banana farming. Um, ironically, that's now blueberry farming. Um, oh. We don't have a lot of bananas left, but we still claim the big banana as our as our um, sense of pride. Nice, versatile. I. It sounds really intimidating. Really <laughs> threatening. <laughs> um, well, ironically, most people in Australia will say, "You say Coffs Harbour," and they'll say the big banana. Um, and on LinkedIn, you say Coffs Harbor and people say LinkedIn local. So it's nice. Um, <laughs> there's a national reference and an international reference. That's funny. So yeah, getting back to the topic of community, um, you know, like you were, we've kind of talked about previously, you know, what one person might think of as community isn't necessarily what you think of as community. What, what, what is your definition of community? Community to me is really all about belonging. I think I, a lot of other people, um, and certainly I know myself, um, have always throughout my life sought um, that sense of belonging. Um, and it's often hard to find. And so to me, community really means belonging um, somewhere, be it, um, be it you know, an offline community, be it an online community. Um, finding that that group of people that you feel that you belong with, um, and to me, that's what it's really all about, and what I have kind of built my 
my own ideas and my own programs and, and what I have written about a lot in the past with community is all about belonging. Is, I mean, is there a better time for community to be a stressor? I, I, I it's kind of, a, is there, a, I don't think there's a better time right now in our world to have community, your definition of it, to be a massive stressor. I mean, there's, everyone's talking about physical stuff and, you know, unfortunately people are passing away and getting sick and stuff like that. But there's also a, a mental hygiene pandemic that's starting where, you know, a lot of people, I thrive on interaction. I'm a pretty outgoing guy. I, I love people. That's, that's a big deal to me. And, you know, when you're not getting to see people as much, you're not getting to see even your kids' friends or your colleagues or is, I mean, I don't think there's a better time to learn about community than now because people are wanting something. They're, they're wanting to attach to something, right? Absolutely. I, I agree that, um, you know, we, we have this um, loneliness epidemic meeting the coronavirus pandemic yeah. and it's, it's, it's really tricky. Um, and I think there's so many conversations going on about online connection and can, can we still connect if we're in this very physically distant world? Um, not so much socially distant. And, and in a lot of ways, I think we've just got to make do with what is around us. Um, sometimes it, it is, you know, particularly in some education environments, it is, it is about online connection, but you've just got to, I, I guess, in that space, you know, educate yourself around it. How can, how can we best facilitate in an online environment when we're used to doing it offline and really adapt? And there are some advantages. Sure. Um, I, I do know I've had conversations with um, a few people who do things like online facilitation to say um, it can be a little bit more democratic um, particularly working with teams um, online. Um, it also opens up to more pe people being able to attend, for example, a conference that was right. always in person. I've been to a lot of conferences this year online that I never would have been able to attend because right. it involved me getting on an airplane and flying to another city or another country right. in order to be there. And now all that stuff is available online, which I think is excellent um, and certainly has some advantages. Of course, there are disadvantages, but I think the conversation we need to start having is not so much anymore about the disadvantages. It's about the advantages because we don't know what the next six to 12 months right. holds. Um, and I also think it's having a, a greater awareness of, of other people and what people around us, people that we know or perhaps don't know and, and reaching out and making sure that people are okay because particularly in lockdown environments, I know it's been very, very hard for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as mentioned, you are, you are, you know, people hopefully they haven't already met you. They start diving into the, the McAfee train uh, after this, this bit, but you are a super friendly, kind, gentle uh, you're a giver. That's your juice. Uh, were you always that way? Did, was that, was there a specific time or a specific story attached to that? Or has that always been in your veins? I think it's always been there. Um, I, 
I am an only child. So growing up, I think I always had to seek out um, other people in order to find that, that sense of belonging or, mm. or those interactions, um, at least in my own age group. I mean, obviously right. with parents at home, I was able to interact <laughs> with them. But in terms of, you know, peer groups, I have always, because of that circumstance, been forced to, um, I guess, it develop those communication skills and those relationship building skills. So I don't think there's been any one time except perhaps just the circumstances under which I grew up in that situation. And I know many kids are, are like that and, and don't necessarily feel the same way. Right. Um, you know, other people who are only children, but in my circumstances, I like you thrive off interactions. So um, I used to go, I mean, I was had to go out and seek those. So yeah. that's certainly been a big part. Um, and I think, when you do start really trying to form connections and relationships, you realize that giving is, is part and parcel to, to that relationship building. You can't, you can't build relationships without having some sort of giving mentality. Um, and so, and then in the last few years, I think on LinkedIn, there's a lot of givers on LinkedIn and they have continued to inspire me to, um, you know, to keep going with, um, you know, the, the kind of giving mentality as well. Um, there's some incredible givers on LinkedIn who are very inspiring to me. That's, that's the truth. That's my favorite part of LinkedIn is I just like to get on there and listen. You know, a lot of people love to talk a ton. I love, not that I wouldn't, I'm okay with putting content out there too, but I just, I just love to listen. Uh, there's so much to learn so many different perspectives and you've got, I mean, you're, how many countries has your book been distributed? Is, it's on Amazon. So it's global. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the LinkedIn local movement was 96 countries. So we wanted go. it to be available in yeah. as many of those as yeah. possible, which I think it is because even like we had a, um, it was the, the movement quite was quite strong in, um, a couple of French speaking African countries. Hmm. Um, so I know they can tap into at least the ebook from, um, you know, from Amazon right. in France. So um, it's not published in French, but they can certainly um, read the English version there. So it is, it is um, internationally available because it does have a very international audience. Right. The kind of, so maybe just, we should stay, stay on the topic of your, your book. Uh, I mean, can you kind of give us the story? There's a story that has to really what inspired you to do that, co-author that. Yeah, so um, the book is um, about the LinkedIn local movement um, and that the LinkedIn local movement began when I, on a whim one day, decided to organise a local meetup here in Coffs Harbour in Australia. Um, and so I put up a post on LinkedIn to say, I'm going to host a LinkedIn local meetup who wants to come. And I put a hashtag on it, LinkedIn local. Um, and within a few hours, um, obviously I had a good response locally and we'd arranged a date and time, but um, crucially there were three others around the world who saw the post. Well, two that saw that post, Eric Eklund in Brussels, Alexandra Galvez in London. And then two weeks later on a subsequent post, Swish Goswami in New York. And we, got together, um, had a few calls. They were like, we're going to, when we do the same thing in my city, what a great idea. And so we had four countries and four cities and four people. And that very quickly spiraled to, so in just under two years, we were at 96 countries. We were managing this huge host community, um, 
mentoring, um, building tools for that community. And ultimately, we were attracting the people from across the world who wanted to bring LinkedIn local to their city. So they were looking to build their own local communities and we were providing that online facility and mentoring and connection space, like I guess like host community, um, you know, for, for all of those people. So I think we were 650 cities um, and, yeah, 96 countries with over a 1,000 hosts. So that was a really incredible experience. Um, and over the course of the second year we did that, we had a number of discussions with LinkedIn around how they could support what we were doing and, and vice versa. And I'm, from all the stories and I heard that it was just really enriching people's lives and their experience with LinkedIn, which was fabulous. So we saw a lot of value in it. LinkedIn um, issued some terms which um, very much validated the idea. It allowed people to use the branding, which we'd advocated for, but it was a very um, value-driven community and that we wanted to keep it very diverse and not-for-profit and pitch-free, very authentic and very collaborative. The terms didn't include any of that, so we were kind of forced to stop what we were doing. Right. Um, so the book was really about the lessons of that. It's the, the founding story the lessons of what we did, um, you know, and what, what it means for user communities, um, what it means for online to offline communities, what it means for, I think, authentic connection as well. Um, but it, the book also includes, um, a, it's about 60 stories from people around the world whose lives were impacted. So that it's, awesome. it's very much a book, you know, and it's quite an easy, nice, light read because it's, it's, about you know Brian Wallace in Cincinnati and um, Samson Capco in um, Benin in Africa and you know so it's that very human side to this is how it impacted me yeah. and in some cases that's mental health in other cases it's you know a complete change in career direction um, and in other cases it's really about the social impact side um, in terms of the partnerships formed with charities across the world um, and the impact it had from a kind of fundraising level too so. Uh, so that's the kind of synopsis of the yeah, book in, in two minutes. That's amazing. Uh, 90 plus all stemming from a person wanting to just build community and connect. We call that the double win. I mean, by adding value to others, you also add value to your own life. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a very cool experience. Um, but yeah, there was a huge and still is a huge appetite for it. Even in the pandemic, um, you know, there's still this huge appetite for connection. Oh, maybe more now than ever. Mm, absolutely. People are hungry for that. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I read where um, you've, you've claimed that you're a, you're a pleaser. <laughs> you're, you're, you sometimes, sounds like you maybe sometimes have a hard time saying no. or I have a very difficult uh, time saying no. <laughs> I'm getting better. Would, would you say, what, are you a candy kind of girl? Do you like chocolates? Um, I do. I don't eat them very often, but. Is there a food that you have a hard time saying no to? Oh. You're like, I shouldn't have that, but It's actually I... probably cheese. Cheese? Cheese. Is there a specific type of cheese? No, I just old cheese. You're, you're gonna just gonna inhale cheese if it's yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm cookies. I, I oh. if, if the cookies aren't in front of me, I am totally fine. 
But if you throw down any kind of cookie, my wife does, a, she makes some great cookies and uh, like no bakes and stuff like that. I'm totally good without it. But if she, she makes those dang things, I can't just have one. I inhale a handful of them. I, I call her the devil that when she does those things, those are, but uh, that really, I don't know. I, I kind of rabbit trailed that direction. That really wasn't my intent okay. going after your cheese fetish there. Uh, would, getting back to being pleasers. I, so being a teacher, coach, those kind of things. I've noticed that a lot of times people that are eager to please peeps also have a fear of failure. And, mm -hmm. and then kind of connecting that to, there may be a lot of people out there that wanna, they want that feeling of belonging. They would love to connect, but they don't have the courage to go out there and talk and connect with others. What would you say to the, the person out there that is just soaking up and eating up everything you're talking about? They wanna connect, they want community, they want that more than anything, but they're afraid that they're not going to be good enough. Like they're afraid. What do you say to that? Look, I think you, yeah, you've just got to step past that and, um, and, and just start small. Um, it, and sometimes that can just be sending a simple connection request on LinkedIn to somebody who you admire. Um, and if that, if using LinkedIn as an example, um, you know, rather than trying to, to, uh, you know, script everything that you're doing right. is, you know, just be honest and say, you know, I really, really like your content on LinkedIn or I, I heard you on this podcast or, um, you know, and, and as a compliment, um, you know, and actually just say, you know, would you be open to connecting? And you'll find that particularly on LinkedIn, a lot of people will say yes. And that can just be a small little confidence boost. Yeah. Um, and it's also about knowing that, there will be people that will say no to a request like that. And that's okay. They're not, yeah. you know, they obviously just don't have the time perhaps to, to build those relationships that you're looking to build. And that's okay. There are plenty more people that are. So I think seek them out. And certainly it, you know, going back to people pleasing LinkedIn local was not about pleasing everybody. Um, it's, I do, I do have a very hard time saying no, but as a friend of mine once told me, that I've sort of moved past this was, um, I, I guess it's to me, it's about letting people down. I don't like letting people down. And a friend of mine once said to me, well, have you ever been let down in your life? And I said, sure, plenty of times. And she said, well, did you get over it? And I said, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. she said, well, maybe they'll get over it too. Yeah. If it's something. <laughs> Right. You know, if, if people are asking you to do things that perhaps aren't sustainable and you just can't keep, you know, in my case, it was LinkedIn local calls. Like I just couldn't keep doing more and more calls once, um, you know, LinkedIn released the terms. And at the end of the day, it was like, well, look, here's a, here's a few resources to go to. I, you know, I can't, can't help you beyond that. And people are usually actually fairly appreciative of the no. Um, I know even with my own book, I, I actually asked Seth Godin to write the foreword of the book, um, which of course he said no. But what was really nice is he said no within an hour oh. of me sending the email. And I actually thought that was the perfect, right. because I was so excited just to get a response. It didn't yeah, yeah. matter yes or no. <laughs> but it meant I could actually just go and move on and ask somebody else. Whereas 
there were other people that just didn't respond at all. And you sort of wonder, yes. oh, will they get back to me or won't? You know, it's right. just a simple, and I know not everybody has time, but I think sometimes a no is actually quite comforting to people. You know, yeah. it depends what the ask is. A connection request on LinkedIn is quite simple. Uh, writing a forward for a book is not so simple. So right. um, it depends on the scenario. But in terms of community building, you know, I say to a lot of people, just get five friends together. You don't need 50 people. Yeah. You don't need to host, as, you know, if it's an online one, you don't need a Zoom call of 50. Start with 10. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to manage. And, you know, even just one or two conversations can give you that buzz that, that people really need right now. For sure. Uh, when you hear the word empowerment, because I, I believe you empower a lot of people. When you hear the word empowerment, who is the first person you think of? That is a great question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, the first person I thought of was Seth Godin because I was just talking about him, but that's not, <laughs> not, that's not really. Um, I would say probably two, um, two people that I really identify with are Brené Brown and Mel Robbins. Um, I think both of them, I think of particularly Mel Robbins, maybe. Um, I, I think there's something empowering about some of her stuff that um, has very much helped me. So um, that would be who I, who I would probably do my go-to once I get my head clear of the last question. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I, I, I always give an example with people because there's different ways to, to get someone to do something you want. Like if you tell them, don't do this, then the, they're initially that that's her thought. So I always use the example of like right now, if I asked you to, for the next five seconds, do not think about a pink elephant. That's all you'll think about. <laughs> all you'll think about is a pink elephant. So, so a uh, couple more questions and we're kicking you loose. The animator is going to be gone. Uh, before I get to a couple of the more like uh, meaty ones, what uh, are your, do you guys do Halloween? Uh, not the way you guys do it in the okay. States. So okay. we sort of, um, my kids, I mean, we did go trick or treating last year, but it's not a big thing. So it's, um, lots of houses don't, don't do it. So it's no. not like everyone gets involved. So, I mean, do they dress up as characters or they just go to doors and straight? Say no, the, well, the kids dress up. I must yeah. admit, I haven't dressed up. <laughs> what did you, did you dress up when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember, a, was there a favorite costume? There's a photo of me when I was four that it's literally every item of clothing that I think I owned. <laughs> yeah, just threw it all. So, yeah, just like literally my mom has this photo of me brushing my teeth at about the age of four, just standing there. And I'm literally wearing like every, and, and some of her clothes as well. Like nice. Just, like this, this whole ball of clothes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my... My kids, uh, they're not trick-or-treating anymore, but man, they would, they would get these outfits that are so heavy, they'd just be sweating profusely because they're sprinting between houses. I mean, it's a race to get to the next one. But anyway, uh, so I was thinking about your sense of community and belonging and being with the right people. You can't really put a price on a good neighbor, can you? 
I mean, I guess maybe you don't understand how good a good neighbor is until you have a bad neighbor. But uh, how important is it when you're building these communities, good neighbors, connections, how important is it that you have the same shared values? I think it's really important. Um, it's one of the most important things, particularly in community building. I think, you know, values are what curate the experience. Um, a community without values, it's, it's everyone involved rather than a select few. So, um, and you know, if it's events, um, it's co-hosts. It's very hard to do stuff alone. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work and you've also got to have a lot of self-belief. If there's two or three of you, it is a lot easier because you can push each other forward. Um, right. and, and that's the case with a lot of projects. So, um, so yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it's, um, it's very, very important. And the values behind that really steer the direction of the ship. Um, and without values, you, you're just going to get into some pretty murky water and go nowhere. Right. Um, so you would say like, if you were setting up rules of engagement, Mm -hmm. Some of the most important things to cover or just put on the table from the very beginning are your core values. These are the things that are important to me. And then yep. try to gravitate, get those kind of same kind of people in your circle. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. I think it's particularly for community building, it's really important to have values at the outset. Phrases that people can identify with. With LinkedIn Local, it was getting to know the people behind the LinkedIn profiles. Right. That was, well, that was the thing that sent it viral. Right. And so it was cool. just something that people just identified with. It's, it's like, amazing. let's actually get to know these people as opposed to just being online profiles. It had to be the best feeling. I mm. mean, you couldn't have possibly imagined it getting that big. I mean, it went, I mean, it exploded. That was very cool. You have a couple other things going on and then I want to talk about, and then I'll have one more question and then we're gone. Sure. Sound good? I Sound just good. Sounds good. I just wanted to put it out there that you, uh, you have something called a uh, couple different outlets for people to, to engage with you. You have your community connectors, Facebook group, mm -hmm. and then you have your local X community conversation series where you're that's weekly, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much weekly live interviews on LinkedIn. They also go out on to the community connectors, Facebook group, as well as the local X Facebook page. Um, and they are people who are doing something interesting in the community space. So they might be running a community themselves, or they may have some sort of expertise that's useful to communities such as online facilitation um, or, you know, perhaps being a diversity expert. So. so valuable, gaining different perspective from people all over the world. So you've got 30 to 45 seconds right now to talk to our listeners about how they can be a better version than their previous best version of themselves. How can they be a better version? How can they out improve the previous best version of themselves? So I would say get out of your news feeds and get to know who you are because the answer, your answer or the value you bring to the world isn't lying in somebody else's post that you're scrolling past. It's actually lying up here. So, you know, spend some time getting to know yourself, um, having some digital boundaries. It might be, you know, you might be a hiker. You might be something that's not that you're just constantly trying to consume information because when you consume, you don't create. Um, 
So I think really creation is part of that. That's going to help you let you know who you are um, and what value you can bring to the world. You are amazing. Thank you so much. I, I truly appre I appreciate you coming on here, but I really appreciate all the value and the heartfelt presence you have for other people. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brad. It's been great to have this conversation. Awesome. Make it a great day. You too.